Okay, before we get started with this brand new episode for season two, I wanted to quickly remind you that the JMC website is up and running courtesy of my man, Jose Garcia of Odd Curious. JMCpod.com is the website. Check it out. I have all of my interviews right there to listen to. I'm also starting a blog journal section. I'll be sharing some in-depth thoughts. Also, a merchandise section coming very soon. And of course, please show me some love. I have a support section. It'll take you to my bio. Buy me a coffee page, throw me five bucks, I might mess around and buy a coffee. I love you guys. Thank you so much. JMCPOD.com. Welcome back to the Journeyman Chronicles. It's your boy, Felix C. Arroyo. It's the Journeyman. Chilling like a villain, I'm here to give you some content. JMC episode 41 has arrived at your front door. I'm like Amazon. But I don't uh, I don't just come at the fucking becking of your call. I, I show up weekly. That's the schedule. That's the gig. Get on board. Hope everybody's had fabulous week going into the weekend at the moment i'm enjoying my time my weekend recording this on a saturday evening had a had a uh, you know uh, an interesting experience stuff like this happens all the time i typically don't really voice my frustration over it but today i decided I woke up choosing violence. I don't want to say where I was at because I frequent this establishment often. I enjoy what they offer. But I will say I was there today purchasing some things. And as I go up to the counter to pay for said item, somebody else walks in behind me who knows the cashier. And this person just decides their needs are more important than mine and begins to fill in the cashier that they've got a brand new car and do you want to come out and look at my brand new car and this guy decides he's going to treat me like a second class citizen I offer my payment I pay for said item but he doesn't really acknowledge me he just keeps Engaging in conversation with this person at the door talking about their car. They're actually having a conversation with themselves while I'm in the middle of it with my transaction. Yo, I fucking hate that shit. I hate that wherever I go. If you work in customer service of any kind. If you're servicing customers legally. I mean, shit, either way. Legally or illegally, don't fucking engage in conversation with anybody else except for the person that's completing the transaction with you. If I'm paying you, your attention is on me, bub. I need to know I am special at the moment. I need to have your undivided attention in case, I don't know, you fucking charge me incorrectly. Then I need to have your attention 
And if it's elsewhere, because somebody else decided to come show you their brand new car. Where am I living right now? So I decided I will frequent this bit often. I've decided to call it. Where do we find them and why do we keep them? I got that from a foreman that I used to work for a long time ago when I did commercial electric. You know, people just do some dumb shit. And it was just like, dude, where do we find them? Why do we keep them? So I'm applying that to this bit. Now, before everybody gets dark, you know, why do we keep them? I'm not suggesting we fucking kill them off. I'm just saying it just goes with the fucking territory. Sheesh. Anyway, I feel better now. I vented and I feel better. And it's on to episode 41. Today, I have a treat. I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Sean Hogan who stopped by my house and chopped it up. Sean is a school teacher here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Lancaster City. He's a school teacher uh, for Lincoln Middle School. And he's also a phenomenal spoken word poet. He's also not just a poet. He loves writing. He's written a couple novels, one that sounds like it's about to get published. He kind of just didn't want to put the put that out there as such. But I feel like, uh, you know, it's going to get published. He actually has a book that he gave me before he left. It's called Make a Road and Ride It. It's filled with his poems and writings. It's really, really cool. I, one of the things that I enjoyed about talking with Sean is, um, he, you know, he had no problem really just sliding right into the role of you know a podcast guest i don't know if he's done this before we didn't really get into that but uh just really great to talk to eloquent clear-minded he knows who he is and he knows what he wants to do and he had no problem really um sharing some some deep thoughts about you know where he is in his life and how he views this world and what's important to him one of those things is you know the youth that's why he's a teacher that's why he embraces spoken word with the youth right now, especially in Lancaster City. So, look, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I don't want to, you know, pull the cart ahead of the horse, as they say. Um, but I'm just excited because it was a dope conversation. We have about an hour's worth of content here. And I hope you're ready. Grab yourself a drink because I know Sean and I, we had some wine. We had a great conversation. Here it is right here. This is Sean Hogan, episode 41 the journeyman chronicles let's go so thank you for coming um you came across my radar like many people um on social media Somebody shared something one one way or another, and I was like, oh, "That seems kind of interesting." <laughs> so I saw uh, I saw spoken word poet, and I saw teacher, and I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." Uh, yeah, so that's so I, I I I know a little bit about what you're doing, but I would break down for me exactly who you are and what what you do. Are you from Lancaster? You born and raised, or no? I am not. In fact, I don't live in Lancaster now. Oh, really? Um, I'm I'm trying to like convince my people to to move closer to here i live in middletown um okay. my wife works in harrisburg gotcha so we had to find sort of a middle place and my kids um actually my youngest son just graduated from uh, hershey high school so we had to kind of be up in that neighborhood for a bit um 
but I've been teaching in Lancaster. This will be my 13th year teaching in okay. Lancaster. And this is where I learned to teach. I went to Millersville for my uh, student teaching. I had a um, student teaching block at Lincoln Middle School. Um, and that's where I'm teaching now. Okay. So the more that I'm in the city, this is just where I just like to be in Lancaster. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in sort of city environments. Yeah. Uh, I, I worked in New York City for a while. I really enjoyed that. New York, um, you said? Yeah. Where yeah. at New York? Um, New York. I worked in Lower Manhattan, okay, right oh, down okay. around Wall Street area, um, which is actually yeah, in in How some ways. How long you live in New York? How long to, you live in there? Um, so I lived there for I lived in Hoboken for about seven years. Okay, um, six or seven years. Um, yeah, I moved there from Buffalo. So like, oh, so you're from New York? Of, I'm from New York State, born okay. in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I was a kid in Syracuse, New York, and then sort of got through most of my school and high school and graduated from upstate New York in sort of a rural area I couldn't wait to get out of. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you came to Lancaster, Roy. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it was a roundabout way, I have to say. I mean, Buffalo and some New England places and kind of like sort of finding my place. Ended up in, in Hoboken, working in New York, um, and got to Lancaster in a very, yeah, a very roundabout way. Um but of of all the places I've been in Central Pennsylvania, this Lancaster feels like like a place that I just enjoy being in. Yeah. You know, it feels familiar and it feels comfortable. Uh, the people and just the scene there is just something I've always been drawn to. Mm. And so I'm trying to do my um, you know more of my personal work in Lancaster because I've been doing my professional work there for a while. And now that I'm finding that um, that doing other things are sort of beneficial to me and to people around me. Okay. I'm trying to sort of spend my energy doing that. Um, and that's where I want to do it because Lancaster is a great place. So I sort of feel, yeah, I'm not from Lancaster. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Yeah, but the cool thing is like, you know, I've always kind of joked around that, especially now Lancaster, I'm born and raised and seeing uh, where it, where it is now compared to when I was a kid, it's like it's becoming like this little metropolis. It's starting to become like a... Uh, you're, you know, I always say it's a little New York, but you're from there, so you're probably like, nah, it's not. But you, but it's always like this. It's not what it once was. It's becoming really, really uh, colorful and alive, and there's so much shit going on there. And I'm like, man, I wish this was happening when I was a kid. I didn't see that right. in Lancaster City and in, in downtown area. Um, you're working with the youth. You're, are you you're a teacher or no? So I'm a I'm a middle school teacher. I teach um, English language arts at Lincoln Middle School, and uh, I also do uh, creative and community mentorship with youth programs in okay. the city. So um, I work with a couple different sort of. I work with one organization that connects with uh, school events and things like that, and also some other um, after school events with community groups. So what that means, what that looks like on the ground, is basically. Um, I have some friends who are doing some really good work and I'm helping them out to do that. And gotcha. we work with kids doing everything from neighborhood cleanups to um, to learning how to garden and getting involved in community gardening to mm. working on their poetry and making beats and like writing and, and performing. And, and um, it's just sort of this community of people who are working together to learn and make Lancaster, you know, the kind of place that, that the people who live there want it to be. Yeah. You know, you're really in touch with like the creative, uh, the creatives. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, it was just artists. And now 
you know, that that term creative i embrace yeah. it it's so it's so like dead on because there's so many things that people can do they're not just stuck to one type of art and it seems like you're really in, embracing and guiding is that what you're doing or yeah so you know i think it all sort of comes together you know when i think about i i listened to a bunch of your episodes and i really enjoyed hearing sort of people's sort of you know how they got to where they are oh, cool. and also how you know, no matter what point in people's lives they're at, there's always opportunities for growth and change. Um, over the years, I keep coming back to creativity as a source of energy and a source of sort of, I mean, redemption in a way. Um, you know, a way to sort of deal with the world around us and a way to sort of share that with other people so that, you know, we, we, we build a, a sense of community. Um, and that's the way that I connect with it, um, you know, and so from, you know, looking back over the different things that I've, you know, lived through and seen and experienced. And I think that writing has always kind of grounded me and helped me understand the world around me. Right. Okay. And so that drove me to become an educator. Um, I wasn't an educator in New York. I was doing other things. And oh, okay. so I became an educator even after I moved here because life circumstances had a couple sort of dips in the road, sure. had to rebuild a few okay. times. And, and a recent time that I had to rebuild was um, when I became a teacher. Um, and I had been thinking about it. I had been thinking about doing something that was sort of, instead of working for money, I wanted to yeah. to work for, for something purpose. bigger than that. Yeah. You know. Um, and when I had the chance, I went back to school and I became a, an educator because I know that writing and communicating can save lives. Mm. And so that's been sort of my, you know, my why, my thing. Um, and as I've worked with kids and with adults, I just continue to see every day how when you get people to tap into whatever it is, whether it's music or art or carpentry or, you know, learning you know, all the trees in the forest and being yeah. able to, to understand, you know, how, how the ecology works and, and, and kind of developing your own sort of ideas for things like that, whatever it is, um, you know, doing what you love to do and doing it in a creative and imaginative and new way. I mean, that's, to me, that's a really a powerful source of connection. Yeah. Um, and so the communities that I'm working with now kind of all feel the same way. You know, we, we share our work. We affirm each other. We uh, we sort of build off that creativity and that collaboration, mm. and then we also use it to kind of lift up yeah. and inspire ourselves and others to to, to do more things. You know, yeah. to do real things. So, yeah, I, I like how you brought up uh, carpentry and and studying trees. Like it's little things like that. Like, um, and I'm I'm kind of just piggybacking off of that because it made me think of something that I heard. Um, and I, I really can't remember where, but it was almost like, you know, whatever you do, whatever you love to do, put put all of your love into it uh, mm -hmm. and and you'll see the fruits of it. And not just financial, but just like good things will come to you. Uh, the, the world will respond to you uh, if you're you know, if you're good at carpentry, put all your love into it, not just I have to go to work and I need to do X, Y and Z to meet this budget or whatever. Right. And so it kind of just uh, when, when I hear you say that. It, it makes me think of that. Um, you you started teaching after you moved to Lancaster. What were you doing in New York? 
So in New York, I was working, uh, I worked for a publishing company. I worked for the Tops company. So we okay. made baseball cards. Oh, okay, and cool. Ring pops and stuff like that, right? So um, I worked in the sort of the publishing end of it. So anything that was printed, I was, I handled the logistics and the quality assurance for it. Okay. okay. So I was doing pretty well. Yeah. We were moving up in the world, right? I was doing, we were doing like the, 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 the thing the, and it was fun. Um, New York gets to you, you know, New York is a heavy place to be. Um, I like the city. I like being around a lot of people, but not having to necessarily interact with anybody. Sure. Sure. You know I mean, I like the, the, you know, the liveliness of it, um, without necessarily a social pressure. Right. And it just really kind of like the ambiance. You just don't really want to fucking talk to, <laughs> talk to you. <laughs> if you need directions, I'll help you. But otherwise, yeah, no, nah. um, <laughs> But it's a great place to write and create. You know, it's so inspiring. At least it was for me. I could I could walk down the street. I could walk to work and just you know walk for a couple miles and see things and you get ideas and start writing it. So that was you wow, know, that was yeah. good for me. I like that. Um, after nine eleven, um, life got kind of shook up. Sure. And so I was. We were there until about two thousand three. At this point, I had two sons, um, and. My wife and I split up, and we, through a convoluted series of events, ended up in central Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and it was the first sort of big moment in my life and in my family's life that, you know, things sort of, you know, the bottom fell out. Okay. Right? And I had to, like, sort of reevaluate what was going on and, and, and sort of how to move forward. Um, but that was, that was something that ended up good. Yeah, you know, um, you sort of have to reevaluate things. You have to figure out what your values are. You know, you have to make decisions that are bigger than just like, which shirt should I buy, which shoes should I buy. You know, it's like where do I live to raise my kids in the best way. Right. You know, and so those kind of decisions hit you, and you really change your priorities, or you realize what your priorities probably already were. You know, um, so I ended up down here and dedicated myself to raising my kids and mm. being a father and figuring things out from there and so i sort of kind of did what i knew i could do which was publishing so i got into another job in publishing out here okay um and that worked out until the summer of 2008 we lost our jobs hit you know the recession sure. hit sure and that was the point where i was like all right well i just got laid off there's no prospects because there's nothing here i have no experience in anything else um, that's hiring. So that's when I went back to school. So I'm like, I'm going to do what I was going to do after nine 11. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And like now I, I, you know, sort of had to make that choice. So went back to school, got into Millersville, um, you know, and all this time, you know, working to maintain and cultivate a relationship with my kids because that's not easy when, you know, you lose your job sure. and you, you know what I mean? So, um, and during this time also there was, um, other, sort of family things. I went through another marriage and okay. another divorce. Gotcha. After 08. Okay. Um, bottom fell out again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, picked myself back up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so teaching has been the thing that, um, that I've sort of hung on to. How'd um, you get, how, how'd you get into the teaching though? So I, we went to school for Millersville and Millersville for what? Excuse me. So I went back for basically a post-bac program. So I had a college degree from Buffalo. Okay. Um, from University of Buffalo. Um, but I didn't have any kind of teaching credentials at all. Sure. So at that point, um, for older students, you can go back and instead of like pursuing like degrees one at a time, they have a post-bac program where you get your, 
your master's and your teaching cert all together and oh, you get wow. any classes that you may have made up. So, you know, it was like three years in school, three or four years wow. in school, and student teaching. And yeah, so um, one of their partnerships is with the school district of Lancaster. Okay. So shifted over there and that's when they had opportunities. Um, and I was with a cohort of probably, I don't know, I want to say like 12 or 15 other students. Okay. You know, and many of us found work in the district and, you know, still happen to be there. So, so it, it's, you know, it, it kind of seemed like the coming here, uh, and you mentioned some setbacks and you mentioned several times the bottom following out, mm-hmm. uh, falling out, excuse <laughs> me, but it, it's almost as if you were meant to come here. Is that, is that fair to say? I mean, it seems like you're doing what you're doing right now. And, and I want to get into it, uh, in the, the spoken word, but, but also, um, school district of Lancaster and the work you're doing there it's a complete opposite contrast to what you were doing in New York yeah it's I mean it's almost it's almost like do you think you saw this future for yourself back in Mm. 07 so or or or, or no I mean I, I I would I had to say no I don't so I I don't see it as something that I was always going toward but now that I'm here and doing this work, I will say that the way that I responded to life's circumstances definitely kept me on a path mm. that brought me to a place like Lancaster. Oh, fair enough. And I I will say, you know, being someone who is comfortable in a city, like I'm just drawn to Lancaster. Like it's it's a good place to just yeah, it's sure. just good vibes. It's, yeah. It feels good to be there. Do you know what I mean? Um ever since I moved to central Pennsylvania and we're going on almost 20 years now, I've been complaining about central Pennsylvania. I'm like, <laughs> this is not where I want to be. You know what I mean? I'm like yeah. waiting for my kids to graduate so I can go be somewhere else. Um, you know, and it's all the same cliche stuff, you know, it's like you can't get food anywhere. There's yeah. no restaurants. I mean, yeah. there's restaurants, but see now in Lancaster, there's restaurants. Yeah. Now you can go get like real food. Um, and that's something that like, you know, that's a rare thing. Sure. You know, it's a rare thing. So I appreciate that kind of stuff. And I think that the past 20 years in a way has been sort of a journey of mine to find, to carve out a place that reminds me of the things that I was sort of looking for maybe when I was in New York. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, back along the same path, like things that maybe I didn't even realize I was looking for. Right. Right. Especially with the connection to the arts and things like that. So. I'm sure you can probably start seeing some things that you didn't notice at the time. You're yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Even then, I was aware of, and that's that. I think that happens with everybody. I, I and I've talked about that with my own journey in life. It's like I, I, there were signs for whatever reason that I just didn't see. But when I look back now, I'm like, oh yeah, there were definitely it all signs. goes together. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's 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 a blessing because not everybody is able to to see it and then and hook their line to it and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and here you are, let's talk about spoken word because, uh, I was, I was, I, I watched a couple videos of yours that, that I could find 
And I I'm, I really enjoy listening to your spoken word. I actually really appreciate also, um, and I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's if it's I, the teacher doing spoken word, uh, <laughs> embracing the city life with the youth that stands out to me. Um, I don't know. I I, I just. I love it. Where where did spoken word uh, creep into your life? Was it always there or, or no? No, <laughs> no. I think it was. I think so. Um, I think it could have been. Okay. Right. Like I think. Um, so so basically, my my journey as as a writer has been. I've always been a writer. I mean, I can go back, um, and one of my poems is you know goes back to like. You know, being a little kid at the kitchen table, banging out stories on the typewriter. Um, you know, I just always, I just, it was cool. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, as the years went on, you know, I tried my hand at different things and I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've done sports article writing. I've done, um, you know, news and commentary and political things. I've had a couple little, um, ebooks done and stuff. Okay. I used to, I used to like to write, like, uh, I had a, a little a thing going on a website that's not around anymore where I would kind of put together like little political sports themed things based on like a Hunter Thompson, okay. sort of like bringing some attitude and criticizing George Bush and sure. shit like that. Right. Sure. And, and, you know, and that was fun. I did that for a while. Um, I've actually written two, I finished two novels over the course of the past 20, 25 years. Um, okay. and I'm working on, I'm finishing up one now. Nothing's published in that arena, but um, it's it 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 feels good to me to, to have a project and, and bring it to completion, and then you okay, know, yeah, that's sort of absolutely. where I get my where I get my energy. Um, now, poetry, going back as long as I've been like going back to when I was a little kid. In addition to stories, I always used to write songs. Like I always wanted to be a singer. Okay, and I had my favorite singers were lyricists. You know, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen. I was sure. like, I loved hearing hearing lyrics. Um, and, but I can't sing. Okay. So I have no, I'm tone deaf. I don't like, I got like, <laughs> I have no musical. I can play instruments if I learn it. Um, you recognize well enough, it though. Like, At least you know that. Some people yeah, don't even know that's that. That's true. I know that I can't sing. <laughs> that's how, I don't know if that means I'm so bad or that I'm just on that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but so, so I sort of like, I used to write songs, I used to write lyrics, you know, and then they sort of turned into like more poetry because I, I wasn't going to sing it. So I just sort of like made poetry, um, but I didn't really stick with it. When I was in New York, um, actually, well, so I guess going back to after, after 9-11, I was looking for, I was struggling to find a place. I, I was having a hard time. Um, and I found a community online of writers and artists. And this was in the old days of the web. Like this was, you know, it was sure. like a community, a forum. It was kind of like a, you know, like a Reddit kind of thing, different discussion boards and stuff like that, but all geared toward writers of us, you know, who were sort of, um, you know, fringe type, okay. identi- you know, identified as like fringe type or beat generation kind, sure. of, kind of writers. And it was fun. It was cool. And I was like meeting people and like sharing my stories and poetry. And we would do things like, like we would write like collaborative poetry over okay. the internet with like hundreds of people. And you would just bounce ideas off of each other from like all over the world. It was really cool. And then. Um, a couple times you'd have we had poetry events. I went to one. Um, I went to the Bowery Poetry Club, which is this this historic place in New York um, for a reading of a gathering of you know these people that we met online. I was like just trying to. I was just starting to find a community, you know, and I was getting into it. I was enjoying writing poetry. Wow. Um, I read on stage a little bit there, but it wasn't like spoken word. It was like open your book and kind of like read Recite, a poem. You sure. know what I mean? When I came out here. 
kind of was like, that was fun. I want to do, I want to find that again, you know? So I found a couple little poetry readings and things and they were in like libraries or little nooks of a bar or stuff. And it was the same kind of thing. It was like so people getting together, reading some poetry. And I was like, all right, this is fun. This is poetry. All right, I like this. And I kept writing. And the more I was around it, the more I would write. But I never did like what I called spoken word. Okay. Okay. Um, and then sort of, you know, life was going along and COVID hit sort of got into like a creative, try to find a creative groove. I had some projects I was working on. I was starting to get a little bit, I actually, the summer, the first summer in 20, the summer of 2020, I wrote a lot and I was, I was, sure. I was active. I was inspired. I was doing some good work. Um, but then, you know, COVID got a little straining and it was difficult being a teacher during that time. Um, I can imagine. And so, yeah. So in some ways the bottom dropped out again. Yeah. Um, okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate now that I have uh, I have a partner who I'm meant to be with and who I trust and, and I, I love and who trusts and loves me, awesome. you know, in the right way. So um, the bottom dropping out this time was not quite as, as dramatic. You, you had know somebody I mean? there to have someone there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, nice. So the, and, and the whole family, you know what I mean? We all did what we had to do to get to what we had to get through. Um, but I had a lot of support, but I had to get somehow back on my feet again. So what happened last fall was kind of around the time you're talking about, and so around November, like October, November, right before COVID was starting to get, you know, got a little nasty again, right? Yeah. Um, I saw an event that a friend was doing over TCP. Um, they were doing a poetry event on some night, and two of the poets who were reading were poets that I know. Okay. And I'm like, and I'm a shout out, G Mill and Sir Dominique Jordan. Yeah. We're I both just on the bill. To Sir Dominique Jordan. All right. Well, there you go. All so right, cool. these guys. Um, and I knew Gmail from Harrisburg, um, who's a, just a sick poet, OG, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's done work with our school. He would come and do, he's done a workshop with our kids. Like okay. he's involved with the youth too. And that's what I love about a lot of these poets that are involved. Like they are ready to get, you know, with, with kids and, and help out in that way. Um, but I saw these guys in the bill. I'm like, well, there's these two poets on the same night. I'm going to go. Absolutely. So I went and I performed during the open mic. I didn't perform. I read. Sure. But I was like, hey, I kind of like this. This was kind of, I like kind of this different kind of scene, right? Yeah. Because um, I'm watching these guys and they've, you know, they've memorized their poems and they're more like, they're more rhythmic with it and it's a performance. Sure. Like, I like that. So I read one, I read one and, and, and uh, Art Brinson, who was running the, running the show, asked me to feature. And he kind of said, hey, I need you to feature some. Would you be able to feature sometime? You got more of those poems. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know. I showed up the next month and he asked me to feature. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this. And so I spent the next two months trying to memorize like three or four of my poems gotcha. and like finding it and getting a beat down and like yeah. being able to do it. You know what I mean? Um, so that event didn't actually work out, but Thundercat, who is another amazing poet in Lancaster, um, invited me to, um, to do a show for her. And I got, um, I get the rumor rhyme, which is actually the first one that I got. Um, and people trusted me. They heard me perform and they said, do you want to feature? Do you want to get up on stage and do something like this? Oh, that's cool. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, but I said, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I just did it and now I love it. And the first time I was able to get up on stage and perform and like, I was confident enough to do it and I got positive feedback. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I like this. And I maybe felt a little of that inner child. Like, remember when you wanted to like be a singer and get up on a stage and sing your songs? Yeah. Kind of like now I'm kind of like, all right, I'm kind of yeah. doing that, you know? And so I've, 
I mean, I'll talk about it all night, man. But like, I, I the past few months, I've just been really getting involved and like learning the craft, trying to learn the craft, okay. trying to look at what other poets are doing, trying to see how they look and feel comfortable on stage and how they speak and how they move and how they find their own kind of personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And trying to like, you know, kind of, kind of crack that code. And it's well, been fun. Like what, like what you said, it, it's so true. It's, it isn't, it's like an art. And, um, and I mentioned Sir Dominique Jordan. I, I spoke with him and this is, we, we spoke about this part as well, where it's, it's, it's not just music. It's an art. It's an art mm-hmm. form. And when you said, you know, it's the rhythm and you're right. It's when it's done right. It's a beautiful piece of art that, that really people need to see and hear in person. Uh, hopefully. Right. I mean, you can hear it online and you can see it online, but to be there in person and to feel that energy that's in the room. Yeah. Um, I, I can, I can understand that. Um, and, one of the things that I've always envied about people that can capture that is, is it's, it's not for everybody. So when people can do it and do it good, it's like, wow, it makes other people feel something, Mm -hmm. you know? um, My wife and I went to go see, um, speak to my soul, uh, Evita Colon's um, performance over at the um, downtown at the Ware center a few months back. Um, like we're talking about right now, it was like yeah. that energy. Like it, I cried and yeah. as a grown man, I felt it. You know what I mean? My wife cried, I cried and I enjoyed that. It was very thera- therapeutic. So I can understand what, what you're saying. And I appreciate that because that it's not like you're just saying, I'm just, just up there reciting words. You, you are really trying to, like you said, study the craft. You're really yeah. trying to find that and en- that that rhythm, that energy, respect it, appreciate it, and share it. This is something that you just started. Then very recently, you're talking about right after the pandemic, the spoken word stuff. Spoken yeah. word, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, uh, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I want you to, to explain it more. But this, I feel, I felt like you had been doing this for a while. But this is something that you've just you just started recently. So I, that, that that's actually really exciting to hear. Like I'm actually kind of anticipating like some, what, what do you plan on? Are you just going to continue writing and, and, and performing? So, I mean, I'd like to, and I mean, that's, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get better. Like when I, so I appreciate so much that you say that, right? Because I'm trying to, I want to feel natural, right? And I want it to feel natural to me. And I think that I'm getting better at it. Um, my problem is I see so many poets around me that are so, so, so good. Like, yeah. and that's not a problem, but that that's what makes me keep reaching. You know sure. what I mean? And so like, I don't know that, like I've been doing it a minute and I know that I'm still learning enough that I would say every time I do another performance, I get a little bit better. Sure. And I like noticeably, I'm like, Ooh, that felt a lot better. And that doesn't mean that like, I don't get up and completely fuck it up. Right. Cause I, I do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's all right. But I'm actually getting better with that too. And that's, it's okay. And so, um, I want to, as long as I'm seeing poets who are like just killing me. Yeah. I want to be like, I want to do that. Like I want to get people out of their chairs like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not even like a competition thing. It's almost just like, I want to see if I can do that too. Um, and that's been, and that's sort of what moves me, but it is, yeah, it is new, but I'm getting, I get, I get coached by my friends and my students. 
like before. So I, we did an open mic. Um, I did an open mic last week for um, for an event that a former student of mine was was featuring at. Um, he's a senior this year. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I've known this kid since he was in sixth grade. Um, and, you know, through his entire journey, uh, which is still ongoing and so many great things are in store for this person, but he also just killed it at a feature on like a sidewalk in Lancaster with a bunch of people out there cheering people stopping on the other side of the sidewalk to listen. Wow. You know what I mean? Um, so I did a few of my poem. We had an open mic before that, but the week before I was getting advice from him. I'm like, Hey, listen, like I just wrote this piece. Can you tell me what you think? How should I perform it? Right. And so, um, and that doesn't just stop there. Like the, the beauty and one of the reasons it keeps bringing me back to that community work that we're doing is that, you know, I'll be walking on the sidewalk next to a, a freshman at McCaskey and we both got a bag of garbage in our hand and we're, and we're cleaning stuff up and he's talking to me about the fantasy novels that he's working on. Wow. Right. Um, and I'm asking him about how he's putting the characters together and how he's telling the story, you know, and then he's asking me like, what, to, what's the next step, what to do. So like we're getting advice from each other and it's like a, it's a collaborative mentorship because sure. we're learning, we're all learning together. And so, um, so yeah, it's, I get that advantage. I had the advantage of these mentors out here. Um, yeah, everyone from the, the poets who read, you know, at the places that I'm that I'm going to, um, and the students that I have. Yeah, you just learn so much. As long as you keep your eyes open, you can learn from everybody. Something that I was taking from this conversation from the very beginning was um, Sean's ability to explain shit went downhill without going into details just simply saying the bottom fell out he says that several times and you kind of see this journey just with with those moments where you know he had these first two bottom falling out type of events but the last one he experienced he has somebody there with him to buffer that fall i thought that was beautiful um, obviously, COVID comes into this conversation like a lot of my interviews and spoken word found its way in Sean's life simply because of the, you know, the moment of COVID and, and a lot of things were going through his mind. Coming up in the second half of this interview, we continue the conversation of spoken word. Um, but one of the things I really wanted to get into and, and we did was I, I really was curious about the dynamic of his relationship with being a teacher and also being such an outspoken advocate for black and brown people, especially for black and brown youth uh, and the disparities that uh, minorities are facing, especially in the school district, in the schools, the things that he sees. I was curious, does he experience any backlash? Does he experience any friction? Um, and we get into that. It's a pretty cool conversation. I, I, I would encourage you to stick around, please. <laughs> the dope thing about like th that environment from what I've seen and what I've heard uh, is even when you do fuck up, um, it's almost like the, the the there's a family element to it where the audience uh, corrals you. 
They yes. they embrace you to get back up, which is very unheard of, really, in any other art form that I know of. It's, you know, any performer doesn't want to screw up and, and they get stuck on lines. They get stuck playing the wrong note, They whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What other art form is there where the audience will pick help pick you back up? And yeah. so I, I can imagine that even if you do fuck up, it's almost like if you just take a minute to recalibrate, you know that you've got their attention. Yeah. Um, and that's a beautiful, that's got to be a beautiful feeling, I would think, as as an artist and performer. I tell you, yeah, you know, I think the moment that I realized I could do it was when I was reading at RG's event. It was the second time I was reading, and I was reading a poem that I really wanted to read, and I was excited to read it. And I was reading it from a book that I, I had, that, or a notebook or something. I don't know. I didn't have the book at that time. So I was reading it from my notebook and I, I wrote it down. I read like the first couple verses, the first page. I turned two pages instead of one page and I read like three lines and I realized it was in the wrong place. Uh, and I was like, oh, I fucked up. And I was so nervous. And I was like, that's all right. Run it back. Just go. And I, I stepped back. And I'm like, oh, yeah. all right. And then I started. I'm like, and then it went great. And I wasn't nervous anymore. Um, and that happened just a couple weeks ago. We were doing a show out in Philly. I got it in the open mic list and I read the first verse and I fucked it up from there and I just turned around, snapped myself a couple times and I got back up and I did the whole thing through. But yes, the crowd in both cases was like, you got this, yeah. go. And it's almost like whether they're poets or not, it is such an affirming thing. And so even when you do to yourself make a mistake, you have that balance of just like everyone is just lifting you. And, and you're also like... This idea I'm trying to get at is like, it's this sort of confluence of like creativity, which is beautiful because you created with, you know, you, you deliberately created something that you wanted to sound and look and, and, and mean something true and nice, right? But when there's that mistake element to it or when there's something else that goes wrong, but you recover and there's a, the genuine response from the audience, you have that authenticity mm. and you're like a human being. I'm like, yes, I created something beautiful, but I'm also just a person. You know what I mean? And we're all just, so here's something beautiful. I might fuck it up for a minute, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, and there's something to me that like really, um, that takes the art to a different level because I want to, it's not about just the words or the sound. It's about the fact that the words and the sound came from a soul and that soul, you know, is just like every other. Absolutely. It, it might get it wrong this time. So yeah. um, that's what's important to me. So that's what I love about that. You know, it's, it is really, it's a good feeling. Yeah, I bet. You know? And that's so awesome. When you're writing and, and uh, you know, as we're talking and I'm listening to you talk, I'm, I'm also keeping in mind of, of what we talked about, you know, pre past 30 minutes or whatever it's been. Uh, the, your, your experiences in New York, the, um, the the bottom fall falling out several times. Is that what inspires your writing? Are you focusing on the all kinds of energy that you've experienced? Are you just writing whatever comes to your mind and not focusing on anything? How do you go about that? I kind of feel like I write when I'm in a mindset to write. And sometimes I'm in a positive mindset and sometimes in a negative mindset, but whatever comes out, if I'm writing, that's what comes out. I've gone through periods in my life where I don't write at all. Hmm. Um, I'm in a period right now where I'm very prolific and I've been writing like I came back from the show in Philly last out to like two in the morning on Tuesday and I wrote a poem the next day because I wanted, I was like, I have an idea, I'm going to write it. 
but then I'll go like three years and I won't open my notebook. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, like it just wow. depends on where you're at. Um, teaching is a, is a challenging craft. And so I think one of the things that's changed recently is that I've sort of reprioritized how I spend my time on that part of my craft, right? So like um, normally a school year is just like constant work and constant planning and stuff like that. And a little bit before COVID, I was starting to realize I needed to kind of step that back a little bit because I was wearing myself out. Um, but during, there was a few years in there, I was just, yeah, kill myself as a teacher. And so I didn't have really the time or the energy. Sure. Um, and for me, teaching is a creative endeavor. And so like that creative inspiration and energy was, I was using it. I was accessing it. It was just coming out, you know, with my lesson plans and with my instruction. Um, and that I'm not creative now, but now I'm in the classroom, but I'm also focusing on this other stuff. And so I can, I can do that when I'm dedicating my energy to it. But I do, my writing does tend to focus on, I don't say negative things, but like, I don't write about like, although, so like my former student was, he was giving me a hard time because he's like, you like sunsets and all that kind of crap. And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> the poem I just wrote does have a sunset in it, but that's not the point. But also like, I've also been confronted by a lot of people saying, why is everything so negative? Why do you write about the shitty stuff? Why do you write about the grime and the dirt? You know, and the people fucking up and stuff like that. And to me, that's where, I don't know, that's more interesting. It's not that it's more interesting. It's a, Maybe it is. It's more interesting to look at. It's more interesting to think about. I think no one wants to be a bad person or in conflict, right? So you have more, there's more, I don't know, there's more curiosity there because people are never acting in a way that sure. they would normally act. So it's like, like I don't know, what, what does that mean, right? Yeah. How does that affect people? Um, you know, I, a big part of it is um, I have to wrestle with the negative stuff in order to find the positive in there, right? So I'm big on, I have to try to understand the world around me by, uh, I don't know if it's like a balanced thing or I need to know where I am. I need to know what's around me. Sure. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And once I know what I can do something with it, right? But I'm not someone who can just be positive without studying and making sure that I'm being the positive in the right way based on what other shit's around. Right, me. Do you know right. what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and writing helps me understand the world around me, the positive and the negative. So I can like reach for those good things. Um, but it's, it's been a big thing for my mental health. Like that has been therapeutic. It's been, uh, it's been the thing that gives me energy and helps me understand what's going on within me too. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's just a resource that I always use. You know, I've got a notebook and there's pages full of poetry, fiction ideas, um, notes for, you know, doctor's appointments and sure. stuff like that. And also just journaling, just like writing down. And it's not in any kind of order. It's just whatever writing. So I might write down like what I did today. I might write down ideas for a story. I might have like a verse for a poem. Yeah. You know, just whatever hits me. And then sometimes if you're feeling good, it turns yeah. into something. Yeah. You know? I think that, I think. Uh, that was a rambling answer, man. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I loved it because when, you know, when, when you said people ask, why do you, uh, why are you always talking about dark shit? I, um, you know, years ago, I used to I used to rap and I would write. Yeah, I was yeah. I was in a very, I see it now. I was in a very sad place. A lot of my music was sad or emotional, very emotionally based. 
or inspirational, but it was inspirational from like the underdog point of view. Yeah. So it wasn't sunshine and rainbows. And I think, I think uh, a lot of people find inspiration from that because when you're in those, the most vulnerable places in your life, when you're rock bottom and you know, you've gotten, you, you don't have a facade anymore to kind of hide your shit. Yep. That's a very vulnerable place. And I feel like people can relate to that. They just don't feel comfortable relating to it because they don't yeah. want to, they don't, some people can go there and some people can't. Uh, and I feel like when, when poetry, uh, whatever form spoken word or written or whatever, it, it can really shine the light on those places that people don't feel comfortable talking because those are things that we don't talk about here. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, I, I remember like now I look back and, and you know, my wife will say, you know, why don't you write music? And I'm like, I gotta be honest with you. And it's really sad. Like it's still here where I want to, but I don't have anything sad or depressing to write about. And I'm not trying to be boastful. I'm just in a really good place. You're in a good spot. Yeah. And I don't know how to channel that energy into where I am now because I only did it here. And so I would, it would yeah. really be very deceiving of me to write something and it not be authentic. And I'm not saying I want to talk about something dark. I'm just waiting for that <laughs> to happen where I'm like, I am in a good place and I want to write. Right. I, and <laughs> I, 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 I completely get it. I can understand people's confusion with that, but I, I completely get it. Like my, if your shit's always dark, it's, it's only because you you may have found yourself and 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 I and and found who you were at your lowest, and so you're always going to find a, yourself there in your work. You know, a lot of yes. directors make movies that are kind of like you know why is why is that there, why is he always writing why is M Night Shyamalan always writing these movies that are, right. there's probably a reason. Yeah, you know imagine what, I mean? what he's thinking. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes, I. It makes me think of a thing I've to, I told my wife recently. Told. Marnie, her name is Marnie. Marnie, um, yeah, and That's a uh, cool name. yeah, it is right. Yeah, um, yeah there's a cool story behind it. <laughs> um, she, so she, she's she's amazing, and we have a great relationship, and we've been through our struggles, and we've been able to sort of work through them together. We're both invested the same way. We, you know, we have that sort of that sort of we have that love for each other. Um, and it's a much more it's a it's a it's a beautiful relationship, right? Gotcha. Which is great. Yeah. It's bad for the writing though. And I've told her <laughs> I've been like, man, I don't know if I can finish this book because like I'm I'm happy right now. <laughs> There's a lot of things I've finished and I've a lot of things I've started and finished at like two o'clock in the morning, you know, over my laptop or over my notebook, feeling really, really bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 really not taking care of myself. You know, but that's sometimes where that energy comes from. Um, I did have to develop a new relationship with my creativity, and that was a, a struggle. That was something that um, that's been something I've been deliberately working on. Is how do I find time? Like I used to be a midnight writer. I used to be, I used to be the guy who like I'll just do whatever I do during the day, and then when everyone else goes to bed and the lights are out, sure, I'll grab my beer, I'll yeah. get what I need to get, I'll sit down on my computer and I'll write. I'll just write till I'm done. You know what I mean? And I'm never done. I'll stay up till three, four in the morning. 
you know, but now you can't do that when you wake up at five to be a teacher Absolutely. and you, you know, um, you've got other responsibilities and my life, I'm getting my life together. Now I had, you know, I was at the point where I had my kids, I had shared custody of my kids instead of like being like the weekend dad, I was like, I was there, yeah, which is great. That's what I wanted. And that's what I want. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But also, you know, I'm, I'm doing that nine to five thing and you can't stay up till four in the morning banging out the, the brilliant pros if you're, you know, right. if you're, so, so yeah, there's, there is a, I had to develop a new relationship with how I did my work, how I, how I, um, chunked up my time, you know, and where I spent my energy because yeah, if you don't have that, I didn't have that conflict around me and it was more difficult to get into it. So I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy um, how that works. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. this like a uh, double-edged sword where it's like, okay, well I'm where I want to be, but now it's fucking with my creativity. Right. And you have to honor it. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to write anyway. So so here's the thing is like I don't write about the dark shit in my immediate vicinity right now. Right. Like I'm not writing a poem about the fact that I'm going to bed fucking hungry sure. and I got no heat in my house. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm writing about the things that things still make me mad. Right. So now I'm, I'm looking outward. I'm like, you know, what the fuck is up with our schools? Mm. Like, why is everyone lying about what's happening in our schools? I'm going to write a poem about that. Mm. You know, that makes me mad. I can go home and I still have dinner on the table, right? I have a lot of privilege, but there are a lot of things. And so that's my relationship with, especially with the poetry is that what, that's what gives me the gives me the energy right now is like trying to like direct it at the higher purpose for what we're doing on the streets and in the classrooms, mm. which isn't just, you know, the basics, the ABCs and stuff like that, right? We're trying to empower the next generation so that they can not only survive, but thrive. Yeah. Because right now, I mean, the way I see things, and I'm trying to be clear-headed about this, but like the way I see things is my kids who are in college right now will be fighting and fortunate to survive mm. as long as I, you know what I mean? The yeah. world's getting messed up right now. And yeah. there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of violence. Um, and I want the kids in my classroom to not just survive. I want them to thrive. And so that's what we're going for. So those kinds of things, that's where my energy is. And so I'm not trying to can't like change things through a poem or anything like that. But we're trying to bring that energy to the creativity so that now, I mean, yeah, if you go to a reading now, if you go to a poetry event in Lancaster now, you're going to hear revolution poems. Sure. You're going to hear some, you know, serious like, yeah, <laughs> fuck the police poems absolutely. and shit right? you know what I mean like and I get mad about stuff that like I don't even want to there's topics I don't even want to touch because I don't have the access to those I don't have the experience that a lot of poets do but like these a lot of poets are bringing some serious truth and that energy and that's and that's there and that's um, I think individually it's tough to change things but when you have a, a scene and you have a message that's, you know that's getting up through people and people yeah. are starting to see it you know and it's just a just a matter of you know, uh, baby uh, steps and hoping to change things because, yeah. yeah. I love it. When you, well, yeah, this, I'm, I'm glad we're at this point of conversation because I really wanted to touch base and I really wanted to pick your brain here. Uh, because you have this interesting position where you are uh, you're in the middle of 
uh, listening to raw emotions and spoken word poetry um, from black and brown youth. Mm -hmm. uh, you're teaching uh, inner school, uh, inner city school uh, district children, black and brown youth. You're very outspoken uh, politically, it seems, in your work. Do you deal with any pushback being a teacher in the school district? Or is that something we can't so, want to talk about? <laughs> so here's here's my position on that. So um, thank you for asking. And it, it helps me to kind of like think about this on a regular basis too. I'm sure you do. Um, I'm in a, I consider myself to be in a sort of a space where I have to be, I want to be very deliberate with how I move and how I act, right? Sure. Um, the spaces into which I have been for uncommonly welcomed into have, you know, in, in the spaces in Lancaster, um, among people of color, among a, a lot of brilliant women, right. Um, Vita Cologne invited me to perform at one of her events. So I, I know the energy that, that, that whole group mm. brings. Um, and just the fact that like, like I get affirmation from those from 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 those communities, right, and from 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 my friends in, in those in those spaces is is powerful to me and powerful enough that like I'm going to be very deliberate with how I make sure that I'm not um, I'm not stepping out in in, in a way that I got you, yeah. and I'm not really saying this well, but you know what I mean. No, I, um, I completely pick up what you're putting down. So like, and and my kids too, like my students, right? Like they don't, I don't look like them but I'm the teacher in their room and that's not fair to them. Mm. Um, and I'm aware of that. And, you know, we just had the first couple of days of school. And I, one of the things I told my students was, Hey, you know, look, I I'm interested in teaching you the things that we're supposed to be learning and blah, blah, blah. But I'm also interested in making sure that you can survive and thrive. And when you're my age, there should be fewer teachers that look like me in this classroom. Mm. And I hope that there are right. Um, you know, we're a good school district, but we're really struggling with hiring teachers of color um, and teachers in, 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 in other, you know, from other communities as well that are not represented, right? Um, it's mostly white teachers. Gotcha. Um, so I'm in this space, right, with kids who are being their most authentic selves because they can't be anything else, right? Right. And I'm in this space with, um, with adults who, um, you know, I'm aware, like, you know, I'm, I'm the odd man out. Right. I try to lead a values based life and I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back. But what I try to do is I try to make sure that when I make a decision, I do the right thing. Right. I try to think of what I should be doing. Um, being a old white man. Right. Um, with a house, with tenure, with health insurance. Um, I consider it my responsibility to take more risks than other people. Gotcha. Um, so I do speak out politically. <laughs> in 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 spaces where um maybe 10 years ago I would be a little bit more afraid to I got you um I feel like we have more responsibility now and I it actually it really helps to focus me because I'm not reckless about it I just tell the truth um I advocate for our students I advocate for my colleagues in the classroom and in in, in our, our team and our schools um it's difficult sometimes for people to speak out, right? We can be, we can be in meetings with our friends 
and our colleagues and talking about things and being this is unfair, that's unfair, but no one if no one says anything, then nothing right. happens, right? And right. there's a lot of fear of like, well, if I say something, I'm gonna get in trouble. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I know, I get that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I can, right? Um I've spoken out at school. They know me at the school board. Okay. They know me. <laughs> you know, my my school knows me. And 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 sometimes I can be a little uh, rough around the edges and make some some you know uh, mistakes with with people and and I try to apologize when I can <laughs> um, <laughs> when I know um, but I'm doing my best to sort of live my reason why I'm doing this which sure. is it's not I'm not in that classroom to teach this book or to hand out that worksheet I'm in the classroom so that these students have a better life yeah like everyone should have like we all should have like i want myself to have a better tomorrow i want my kids to have a better tomorrow and i want to give them the tools as well as i can to like get there in however you know right whatever voice whatever move they want to make you know and so that's what i'm kind of that's how i see it and i see is everything i do and all of my political statements are with that aim in mind i'm just trying to speak the truth yeah and so if people come at me and push back at me I have the truth to go on. Fair enough. And that's, you know, that's it. And I have, like, I mean, I have a great supportive, you know, group of people around me. I hung, like, Black Lives Matter and, like, rainbow flags during COVID, like, outside my classroom. Yeah. And, like, my principal was was getting shit about it from, like, people walking by. And he was like, nah, no, nah, that's, like, not a political statement. It's not political to say Black Lives Matter. That's not a political statement. That's, okay. you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I mean that helps you know and also you'd be surprised i mean you probably wouldn't be surprised when you speak up when you say something people around you are like oh yeah i agree with you you know what i mean and like i wanted uh, that's what i wanted to know is uh, do you get any feedback like hey uh actually i agree with you thanks for saying something but they they may not just have the courage enough to speak up yes and that's what I mean, that's cliche to say that's what keeps me going. That's not what yeah, because, I would be doing but, it anyway. <laughs> yeah, but but that's got to be like, that's it, the diamond in the rough, I feel like, where yeah. it's like, that's what we're looking for is yeah. like other voices, especially uh, voices of, of allies, uh, the white community to speak up. When you when you make the, the choice to speak up, um, it's very much appreciated. But I can only imagine when you're finally speaking up and then you've got other people that are like, yeah, actually, you know what? I, I kind of agree. Then it's like, okay, now the snowball gets bigger. Yeah. I would think anyway. Yeah. And that's, you know, as far as being careful about what I say. So like the poetry is one thing, like, um, I have some poetry that, you know, calls for riots in the streets and stuff like that. And I'm not going to do that in the classroom. I'm not, you know, and a lot of my arguments are, you know, I can, sure, I can fall back and sure. say that's a rhetorical argument. I don't Fair mean, enough. I don't mean that we should kill all the billionaires. Right. Right. Um, they can give their money away, I guess, first, if you want, if they want, I'm not for, you know, I, I'm a live and let live. I lead with love. But, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 You know, the French revolution happened. Um, <laughs> what was I saying though? No, but um, my deliberate when I when I speak about the classroom in my deliberate actions, um, I'm very careful to make sure that it's like on point that it's it's not reckless, right? It's like it's it's right. You're yeah. putting thought behind it. It's, yeah. it's it's all calculated. I'm sure in a way where you know what you're saying mm. is going. You're not going to have to re- retract. And 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 re and edit something. Right, you're, you're deliberately saying it is it. true, and 
Like you were saying, like I have, I know that everything I say is because people behind me have said it before. People over there have said it before. Like this, per, like I know that what I'm saying is backed up by the people who I've already talked to. Like I'm not just like inventing this problem and right. saying, "Hey, I'm mad about this." It's like every time I say something and I I'm active in saying and speaking out. I try to be as active as I can. Um, but every time I say that, there's like I there's like six or seven people who are not saying something. I'm like. Come at me, like yeah, please, like yeah. we're all together. Like I'm just saying it, and like if push comes to shove, fair enough. You know, there's always, there's always that. So, um, we, the team, the team of teachers that we have, that you know, that so many of us have in the school district is just amazing, and that's what keeps us going. Amen. You know what I mean, is that sort of that, yeah, that partnership with everybody. I believe it. I believe it. This is an awesome conversation. Um, one of the things that I like to do to wrap up is is I like to ask my guest, uh, considering everything that we talked about, what's what's your goal? Um, where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself doing with what you love doing in the next five years? Like, what's the game plan for Sean Hogan? So my game plan <laughs> is I want to push everything as far as I can. And I want to... I want to see where I want. I really want to see, especially where the where the poetry goes, right? Yeah. Like, you know, things things happen. Like, I'm not one of those people who say things happen for a reason, but we can make reason from anything happening if we if we look at it right. And so, I feel like right now, what's happening with the poetry scene? Like, I got in right at the right time. Like. In the past year, past six months since I've been going to stages, I've been seeing people that I used to see 10 years ago killing it. And they get up on stage and they're like, this is my first time out in like five years. I'm really nervous. Like I'm getting back in and like seeing the scene. And like every time you go out, it's like more and more poets getting back into it. Um, there's poets from Philly, from Baltimore talking about what's happening in Lancaster City right now. Nice. So like I want to be like, like I want to push it as far as I can. I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, as many opportunities to to just practice as I can. Um, it's fun and I have no long-term things for that other than just like, I want to do the next one, gotcha. you know, um, I'm finishing a novel right now and if I get that done in the next few months, you know, we'll see. Um, I think that I'd like, to, I'm going to try to get that published Yeah, and I'm trying to, I'm really trying to see what happens. So this group of friends that were that we work with in Lancaster, um, everyone from videographers to musicians to lyricists to po- poets, everybody like is doing so many great things right now. I just kind of want to be in that space and see what happens. Um, I have learned enough to know that I can't plan. Um, that's one of the things I learned after nine eleven was that you can't you cannot plan for tomorrow. So just. Just get it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that lesson has, I've needed to relearn that lesson again and again. Right. But like, I know it now. Gotcha. And every time I, I'm going to have to relearn it again. Yeah. But, but I, it's still, it's closer in my memory. Right. So like, I'm going to keep building on that. But I know that like, I mean, I don't know. The bottom could drop out again in a month, but I'm not scared of that because I've been through it so many times and I know I have the support system and I'm stronger that. I can't look out that far ahead. What I'd like to be doing is I'd really like to be fully invested all my time, all my energy into like 
one thing that's doing all that stuff. So if, the, if, if we can build our community organization and mentorship programs with these kids um, and make them, you know, into something that's, that's working on its own, that's education based, right? Like I've always been a supporter of the public school system, but like, man, I don't know. I'm getting closer, the closer and closer we get to things that are just like kind of breaking apart. It's like, yeah, maybe a community school is like the way to go right now. You know what I mean? Like kind of, maybe it's time to like close up and gotcha. kind of come together as a, as a community. And so maybe there's opportunities there um, to just break down the walls between the classrooms and the, and the sidewalks, classrooms and, and the homes and, and just everyone just meet at the same level where you're all invested in the same thing for the same reason. And it's not about like the school wants to do this, but the city wants to do that. But the families want to do this and no one can agree. It's just like, let's just stop doing all that and just find what we can do together. Nice. Um, yeah. That's my five-year goal. I love it. I I think it's fair too. All right. I think it's fair, man. Um, yeah, thank you so much, man. I've, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I've, I really genuinely appreciate, um, you being very candid and vulnerable and open to discuss everything because it, it's, it's been a pleasure for me. This whole process of doing the podcast is, is a pleasure and a joy for me personally. Um, cause I'm getting to meet new people, but I'm also helping people, by giving them a platform to to speak on some issues that they may not typically talk about in day to day, you know, conversation. Mm-hmm. But so, thank you, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. I'm grateful. Um, like I always say, I'm going to do my best to make sure that this is uh, done correctly and and representing you very well. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. All right, yeah, this is great. That's it, man. All right. That is my episode with Sean Hogan, who drove the whole way from Middletown to my house to speak to somebody he does not know. That's dedication. Sean, thank you so much for your contribution to the arts. Thank you for sharing your journey. I'm inspired uh, when I listen to these types of journeys, and yours, sir, is no different. I wish you luck, and I'm going to make an effort to come out and see you. So listen. I'm reading these poems from uh, Sean's book, Make a Road and Ride It. I'm going to put his contact info in the description. That's how you can get a hold of him to get a hold of that book. All right. Listen, thank you for joining me on this week. Stay safe. Love each other. And also love yourself. Jerrica Devon stops by the Journeyman Chronicles next week. We talk about cancer at a young age. We talk about loss of her spouse. We talk about how life brought her where she needs to be right now. That is next week. The Journeyman Chronicles theme music and website is courtesy of Jose Garcia, a.k.a. Mr. Infinito. You can check him out at oddcurious.com. Link will be in the description of this episode. Until then, remember... Maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo, and these are the Journeyman Chronicles. Y'all be safe.